Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. We are back at the LARCast. My name is Tony. With me is Russ. What's up? Russ, what happened to you last Friday on the Instagram live thing? What, what like, bring us through that step by step. I mean, everybody watched me scramble and try to like figure that thing out yeah. on my own, but you just, you, you ditched me, dude. I did. I did, man. I, uh, I was going to hop on, but then somebody was walking by and they're like, Hey dude, um, I'm hungry, man. You want some food? So I was like, yeah, dude, I need to go eat. I'm just well, kidding. They said, you said, what kind of food? Yeah. What kind of food are we talking about here? And they said alligator bites. And then I was like, Ooh, yeah. They're like, I'm out. Yep. Yep. Lark's Tony, to Tony can figure this out. Jesus will be good to him in this moment. <laughs> As he's being even better to me with these delicious gator bites. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I went to get on, man. I'd followed everything that you sent me. Um, I went through all, like, I watched that video, dude, four times just to, like, remember how to, how to log in to, like, an IG live thing. So I watched the video four times. Dude, I got all set up, man. Um, got a drink, grabbed a cigar. I was like, yeah, dude, we're going to celebrate this. And I went to hop on. And it was like, wouldn't let me. I couldn't find the button that the guy said in the video where the button would be. I'm like, dude, this the, the button ain't here to join. What is going on? So I'm like scrambling. So uh, eventually I find my way into a live IG on my own. I'm like, is this thing working? Anybody hearing me? And so there's like <laughs> Timmy Tuesday. Is I what saw we call you him. started your own video. <laughs> so like my wife, Eddie Everett. Timmy Tuesday, all these, all these people start hopping on and they're like, yeah, bro, you're live. What's up? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know if you can hear me. Tony's not on here. I, I would have joined. Loved, I would have loved to have seen that. You should have saved it and posted it. Yeah. I was like, I, I think I ended with what the hell, man? Sorry. And then Krista got on there and she's like, honey, you're on the wrong. <laughs> You're on the wrong like IG live thing. And I'm like, it won't let me in. It won't let me in. She's like, do this. And I'm so I'm like trying to text her. And I'm like, it says uh I gotta have an updated version of my phone or my updated version of Instagram. And I'm like, okay, let me do this real quick. So dude, I I hop on there and click the button and it's like, sorry, your phone doesn't have enough storage for you to update Instagram. <laughs> of course. Like, okay. How mad how mad is were you? going flying. How mad were you? I was pretty I was pretty pissed. I was pretty yeah. pissed, dude. Because uh, I mean, there's even people working at the bar that you know that I study and write out of, which is sort of like a really cool community for me here. A lot of people don't know that. All like a lot of those reclaim edits from my from my end were all written at a local bar here that I work out of. It's become an office for me and a great community. But anyways, the people who couldn't be up there where I was at on the balcony were like in the restaurant with their phones, dude, so they could listen in on this live IG thing. And they're like, dude, where are you at? I'm like, ah. So it just ended with a laugh. And um, and I just watched you mumble your way through it, man. That is hilarious. The best part about it for me was watching um, my buddy, um, Michael. He hopped on 
and then he had to like make a quick run. He's a tattoo artist, so he had to go get like some um just some supplies from like, you know, local like, you know, Walgreens or like, you know, whatever store. And uh he popped by and he mm-hmm. said, and he comes like walking up. So yeah, he's I like him from walking up. He's like, What's up? <laughs> and then Johnny, who you know, uh Johnny Zajak who actually discovered is my long lost cousin because his mother's maiden name was Sorcy. We actually don't know if we're late. We're related. We're just telling people we are, but um, Johnny comes rolling up. He was playing disc golf. He took the day off of work and he said he, he was racing, racing over my house to try to make the, the, the live video. And um, he, he got there right when we ended it. So oh, it was kind of cool. Like how, like you couldn't get on, but I feel like the Lord kind of like provided me some like good buds you know just to let me know that i wasn't alone to keep me going to keep me encouraged to keep me going you know yep yeah god was he was busy doing something he's like ah man tony throw him a bone man throw him a bone (laughs) let's let's encourage some brothers to go stop by (laughs) i actually believe god is like that but um, he is like that we definitely missed you on there man but it worked out we got it out the book is live. Reclaim. If you're new to this podcast and you haven't got a chance to check that out, you can go to larksite.com. You'll see Reclaim button. It tells you all about it. It's a book that Tony and I wrote. I'm pretty excited about it. It is available now through Amazon. Um, or you can just go to Amazon and search Reclaim. And then do either Reclaim and then Sourcey or Reclaim Russ Johnston if you want to find it. Because apparently there's a lot of Reclaim books out there that we didn't know about from other people. Not pertaining to the topic that we're addressing. But it seems to be like a lot of book covers, dude, to say reclaim. And there's like some painting of like a really buff dude with like washboard abs. Yeah, they're like erotic romance novels. But yeah. our book is, has climbed on. So if you just search reclaim, like it's showing up on first page now. Oh, man, look at there. Cheers, though, so, dude. But still, just so you don't buy a romance novel um, with someone that looks like me, I could see how you'd be confused. <laughs> and yes. then one of them has the author's last name is John Stinn. Yeah, so I can see. I can see how you would be confused. And, You're like, man, this guy you know, looks like Russ, and his name is spelled <laughs> almost the same. I can see how you'd be confused. That head of the hair, man. Like this is this is. I didn't know Russ was putting a portrait of himself on the front of this book. But I posted on our stories last week. I just let people know. You know, I took pictures of the, you know, the erotic romance novels. I'm like, these are not the ones. This is what you're looking for right here. This is what the cover yeah. looks like. Yeah. Just so I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help people out. You know, Krista, my wife, she did see that those other romance reclaim novels. Um, and she, she did put in a request that, uh, that maybe I would reclaim those abs <laughs> for our future. So I'm just yeah. so glad we went with the cover that we went with. Cause remember we were talking about like, well, let's take pictures of ourselves with our shirts off with like a pet wolf in between us. Yeah. And like and a the moon, moon, like a moon in the background. Yeah, Just like those others. Yeah. Right. Been I, when I saw people. that, I was like, oh, my gosh, dude, I'm so glad we went this other other route yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to cause people to stumble. No, that's the last thing we want to do. You know, and uh, ladies, yeah, we, ladies, out. we love you. And maybe some dudes, I don't know, but we love you. We don't want you to stumble. Um, so we're just, you know, we're here for you. We are. And speaking of being here for you, we have got some really cool stuff to unpack dude on this podcast really good news we are we're transitioning into um what we're going to say our parable is mostly focused on grace we just got done 
with I think six episodes on parables focus on uh, this idea of the kingdom. Yeah. And now we're just like straight up diving into parables on love, God's love, rescue, and grace. And we're kicking it off with a trio of parables out of Luke 15. This might have this might be my favorite chapter in all the Bible. Um, we're only going to do two of them today. We're going to save the third one, which everyone is familiar with. Um, it's the parable of the two lost sons, which we got into a little bit in our podcast, Is God's Grace Really Reckless? But we only kind of like touched on it. We want to dive a little bit deeper on it. Um, but we are going to do um, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin today out of Luke 15. So do you want to read or do you want me to read? Sorry, joy of podcasting and the fun of not being that professional or taking yourself that seriously. I was muted the whole time I was talking. So <laughs> no, just that proven was... everything that we were laughing about at the beginning of this podcast and last Friday and throughout all of my life, Russ is basically a very old man trapped in a 43-year-old body. <laughs> so with that said, go ahead and read. And um, let's break these down, man. Because for your encouragement, you actually make you you actually make your way in this life, technologically speaking, pretty well for like what you really got going on. Well, I appreciate that, man. I do. If people actually knew where you come from in your story, they wouldn't judge <laughs> you so much. Right. Like, well, this dude's alive, so let's just give him some grace. Yep. All right, let's roll. 15. Here we go. So the, the, the way that these parables set up is very, very important, and it's, it's really important for the, the next episode, but I want everyone to take note, especially how it kicks off and the scene in which these parables come. So Luke 15, 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. That's Jesus. Tax collectors, sinners are drawing, right? They're getting pulled in. Yeah. And the Pharisees, wah, wah, and the scribes, wah, wah grumbled saying this man receives sinners and eats with them all right mm. so there's your scene tax collectors sinners social ne'er-do-wells rejects the discarded right poster children of brokenness sin they're all drawing near jesus and the do-gooders the seminary graduates um the local senior pastors all the all the do the guardians right of the yeah. of all things godly are or even grumbling. like the social like more like that that like social gospel kind of movement leaders as well you know what yeah, I mean? like scribes were oftentimes more left-leaning get the government involved to fix the world right pharisees were far more hardcore right-leaning so it's a mixed bag, bro. Bottom line. You got a mix. So they're bag all grumbling. They're not, they're not happy. No, they're not happy. They're grumbling saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then the next word is so, so because this was their posture, this was their take. Um, they're upset that Jesus is being with them around them, teaching them mm. that they're leaning in, they're pressing into the conversation. Um, he's eating with them. He's receiving them. He's loving them. He's spending time with them because they're angry, because they're grumbling. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Mm -hmm. Next parable. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she lost one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Lost sheep, lost coins. So we saw the context and we have two main characters, a shepherd and a widow. Yeah. We do. It's, um, and I think one of the things I don't want to go like too far into detail, just to be clear, I think we could probably hit this in like two minutes, but there is something cool. Like in my studying of this, looking into it, that's in the back, like the kind of the backdrop to this scene that I just feel like is really fitting to like where this thing's moving. And, uh, so as I was looking into this, I'm, I'm going, all right, Matthew 18 seems to be a pretty cool picture of what's going on, um, prior to Jesus. Okay. Speaking uh, sharing these parables. And you basically have the disciples arguing about who's first in the kingdom of God, right? Mm. We've, we've, the, there's been a lot of teaching on that over the years, like a lot of the scriptures, but that one for some reason gets highlighted a lot. And we hear about these disciples grumbling about who's going to be first in the kingdom and you know who's better than the next dude. And Jesus is kind of lis- listening to this to these guys going, seriously, like everything that I've been hanging out with you and talking about and teaching on, I've been unpacking these parables about what the kingdom of God is like. And, and you're over here, like arguing with each other as we're walking to town about who's going to be first. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a funny scene, but Jesus speaks into this and you kind of have like this little quick, like ding, 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 sort of like narrative in which you have disciples around, but you also have uh, this crowd that you had mentioned, dude, you have this, you have these tax collectors and right. What we're called like the sinners, the outcasts, they're around seeing this. So are Pharisees and scribes, right? The religious do good camp. So all these people are kind of present and Jesus basically along the way stops and points to children, man, like literally holds up a child as an example of, of who it is that actually comes into the kingdom. And what he's pointing to is like this, this, um, a word that we borrowed right from, from, from Cape and this littleness in a sense, right? There's this, there's this, this littleness factor. There's this, uh, you don't really matter sort of scenario children in, in Jesus's day were, were at the bottom of the rung, bro. Okay? Yeah. They didn't dictate families, whole entire schedules and ways of life. Like they do in our culture. Yeah. Kids, kids weren't King the way they are now. They weren't worshiped as they are now. Right. Um, in fact, a child was of less value to a family than a dog in that day and time because a dog mm-hmm. could at least feed itself. And so Jesus, right, stops and he's like, you know, he points at these kids like, look, man, unless you become like one of these, you're never going to enter into this. And then he goes on and he gives like this warning. Well, first he says, whoever's last, right, shall be first, just so we're clear here. But then he goes on and he gives this warning to everybody about getting in the way of people who are like children, people who have come to grips with their with their lostness, people who have come to grips with their being little and the least in the world, hmm. people who are willing to just recognize the beauty of being last. And he warns them against you know doing anything, man, that would cause them to stumble, anything that would keep them from seeing what Jesus is like. It's almost like he takes their littleness or their lack of respectability and he throws it in the face of everybody around. And he's like, look, if they miss this, this only thing that they bring then they miss me. 
Mm-hmm. So if you guys keep clinging to your imaginary ideas of progress and control and performance and all these things that you think lead to success in life and you keep holding them up as something that you need to achieve and something everyone else needs to achieve, you will miss me. Yeah. You will miss the kingdom. Well, let's not act like it was only Pharisees and scribes who really struggled with who Jesus hung out with. That's because, kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Because John the Baptist, I remember when he was in prison, he was like, yo, dude, like, I thought you're coming here to win. Like, I thought you're coming here to like open a can, a whoop ass on like our enemies and like get this thing done. But you're just kind of content with like hanging out with tax collectors and sinners and eating meals. It's not Mm -hmm. really like the behavior of someone who's come to like really win and stand up to you know, our enemies. So I think even the people who at one time said like, even John the Baptist, he was like, someone's coming. Like, I'm not even fit to tie his sandals. Like behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He told all of his disciples, stop following me and start following this guy. (laughs) And then later on, he's in prison, literally imprisoned, like the definition of losing you're in jail. And he's like, dude, are you even the one? Like what the heck, man? Right. So I think everyone is like, really scandalized and ruffled and upset with how he's kind of going about his Messiah career, so to speak, like how he's really fleshing this out. Yes. Yes. So that's kind of great point. John the Baptist, I think what you just brought up, dude, is probably the best example of someone who was grabbing on and then just like, because Jesus isn't working on his timetable and displaying the power structures that he thinks he should to make the world better. He's questioning, right? Like, is he really the Messiah? He's questioning his teachings. So you've got disciples who aren't getting it. You've got tax collectors and sinners who are drawing near who are going, really? I mean, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? They're sort of kicking the tires. The, the Jesus's own disciples are arguing about who's going to be first in the kingdom. They're clearly not getting it yet. But again, you got scribes and Pharisees who aren't getting it. And so Jesus points right to these kids and he talks about this thing. And dude, he literally tells all of these people, it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the ocean than to call someone who was close to me in their frailty, right? To miss me Hmm. because of your love for imaginary success and power. Mm. that's what I feel like he's saying is what he's driving home there. And then if you follow the scripture, dude, right. He goes on to talk about saltiness and the, you know, and about salt losing its flavor and what good is it? And I just, I remember looking at that dude and I'm going, man, it's so true to even like today, like, you know, the, the, the church is pretty known for, for preaching the sugar, you know, as Capen says of spiritual success instead of the saltiness of Jesus's passion and death. Right. That's like, we're, we're so flip-flopped in what we think is needed and should be that it keeps us from actually embracing what is needed and what he's actually saying. Hmm. And I think but, Jesus is just seeing this dude all around him. And it's yeah. out of that, that he tells these two parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Well, there is a, I mean, the subjects, the objects of rescue <laughs> yes. in these parables as much as what Jesus, you know, does in the verse you just brought up in Matthew 18, who is the, you know, the, the, the prized object um, mm. or subject or example, it's a child. What do we have here in these parables, a lost sheep and a lost coin, yeah. right? And the one next week, it's going to be lost sons. No one wants to imagine themselves as lost. No one wants to imagine themselves as needing rescue. That is like a major no. blow to, to the ego to ego 
but it's the truth. It's yeah. the truth. And if there's anything, if there's anything I, I'm I'm seeing, I used to think that um it was like part of the like difficulty in discovering the love of God was being like awakened to, you know, the ways that like God goes about this. Um you know, all, all the theological pieces, you know, like mm-hmm. God becoming flesh and cross and resurrection and all that. No doubt, man. Right. There's like some stuff there, but I think one of the biggest things to overcome, man, is just seeing the unfiltered reality of who we really are. Yeah. And in this parable, you have themes of lostness and deadness, Yeah, lostness and deadness. The sheep is lost. All right, we, we, we're, we can get into this right now. It's as good as dead. Yeah. A child. Right. What what contribution do you really have to society, to a family, to an agricultural yep. culture? You know what I'm saying? That's like um, there's no social services going on, bro, in Rome. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like a child that's like that's in bad shape, man, or or, or so let's say lost its family. I mean, you're, you're as good as dead, bro. And not only that, they're they're pissed because Jesus is aligning himself with these kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a you got a lost sheep, which is a dead sheep. Um, for anybody who's let me just say this quickly. Uh, my grandfather grew up in a rural context, farmer family, um, farming family, Great Depression. His father raised sheep, famous Scottish. And uh, I remember him telling me as a kid, just like how dumb sheep really are, but also like just how danger the world is around them. He said, Russ, every night I have to go out into the fields. They lived in in these hills and any of the sheep that had laid down, if they lay down with their feet above their head, like uphill, he would have to walk by them, grab them by their hooves and spin them around so that their feet were facing downhill. And like, why would you have to do that? And he goes, because if their feet were facing uphill, they would just literally lay there and die. They could start like rush of blood to the head kind of a thing. Yeah, they could yeah. yeah, they could starve to death, they could freeze to death, they'd be eaten by wolves. So I'd have to come by and spin them around. And then as soon as I did, they go, Oh, they would stand up. <laughs> but his whole thing, like that wasn't just that, but even like just in the regards to if one gets lost from the herd, bro, it's 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 dead. Yeah. And for his family, that's how they that's how it was through the means of the of, of, of sheep herding, dude, that they were able to eat and live indoors. So a lost sheep is a dead asset. It's right. a dead sheep. It's almost kind of like um I liken it to when I work construction. You always you always built into your proposal like 10% waste. Like mm-hmm. You're just gonna have some stuff that's like, you know, you burn it on site if it's a cold day, or like here's just like your waste. And when you're trying to manage a hundred sheep, like this guy is, right? one lost sheep you kind of almost like dude like count your losses protect the 99 but that's not what this shepherd does at all it says that he leaves and i think jesus detail in the parable is pretty important he leaves 99 in the middle of an open field this is not in a pen where there's walls like in john 10 jesus is the good shepherd right like our community is going through john 10 so in john 10 jesus is the good shepherd who protects us from our enemy who wants to rob kill and destroy which goes to your point of there's a lot lot of enemies for sheep out there who want to rob kill and destroy but in this parable including themselves (laughs) yeah but in this parable he's a shepherd who like throws caution to the wind and sets out to rescue this good as dead this lost sheep yeah so it's like he's ironclad in his protection of us as the good shepherd but he's borderline irresponsible in his rescue of us as a shepherd. Yeah. That's because I love that. He, he starts the parable with this like hypothetical question, right? Like, Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, which one of you, if he was, you know, herding sheep and saw one of them was lost and had wandered off would leave. You know what I mean? It's this like hypothetical question where he's pointing to, to what God is like, to what the kingdom is like. 
And as you just pointed out, man, like what he presents is in no way how you would go about leading a successful sheep herding business, leaving 99 safe sheep to go off and find one good as dead sheep will only result in 99 more dead sheep. <laughs> just, just to be clear. So Jesus is, you have a hundred lost shepherd. sheep on your hands at this point. Yeah. You now have a hundred lost sheep. That's why I love that. He asked them, he starts it with a hypothetical question because it gets them all thinking and moving towards like, wait a second. Cause this is a very, a, a, a very tangible reality to these guys that's living and existing in and around them. And I think Jesus is pointing to a shepherd that is unlike anything they have ever witnessed. This shepherd isn't bothered by a hundred lost sheep because he's in the business of finding lost sheep, not making money off sheep who haven't strayed away. Hmm. Think about that. This shepherd isn't bothered by a hundred lost sheep, which is what you get, by the way, if you leave your 99 to go find one, he's not bothered by it because he's in the business of finding lost sheep. He is not in the business of making money off sheep who haven't strayed. Lostness, littleness, like a child is what he deals in, you know, mm -hmm. like give him a lost herd, give him a lost world, which by the way, is the only world that we have. Um, and he has everything he needs because he came to raise the dead, bro. He came to seek and save that which is lost. His words, not mine. That's why he came. That's the business he's in. Yeah. Dude, it's so beautiful, man. When you, when you pull back and look at it, it's like, dude, this is what God is like. This is what he's like. This is what he's capable of. This is so unlike anything I've ever imagined and a shepherd being, you know, capable of correct. Or even like what a shepherd is like out to do. Correct. This one's in the business of saving that, which is lost. Yeah. In verse seven, he talks about, you know, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus isn't saying that's an actual category of person. That's a jab. Yes. They're, lo again, they're lost. Say that they're again. lost. Yeah. It, it's not an actual category of person. <laughs> they're right. lost in their blindness of their supposed self-righteousness. Yep. Right. So when Jesus says, like, when he when he kind of boils down to who, who is the kind of person he's here to rescue, this lost sheep and this lost coin, th this is like, this typifies who we are. Yeah. We have no resources in and of ourselves to rescue ourselves. We have yeah. no resources, right, to actually yeah. save ourselves. So we could just get into it. The lost sheep and the lost coin are actually in the same condition. Yeah. They're just lying around in their lostness, in their deadness. The yep. sheep, if you imagine the sheep is kind of like, you know, like in the, you know, the movies, the illustrated movies, right? Where you have this cartoon and it's lost, it's separated from its family. And the whole story is it's like making its way back to its family, making yeah, its way finds back a to guide its home. to make its way back. Yep. Yeah. Like a finding Nemo or something like that. Right. Yep. And they meet in the middle and the serendipitous, like just big, huge, like reunion moment. They meet in the middle mm. and the, the Nemo has been coming this way. And the one looking for Nemo has been coming this way, or the sheep's coming this way and the shepherd's coming this way. And they meet in the middle. This is not what's happening here. Yep. The, the, the sheep and the coin are found solely based on the determination, love, and will, and skill yeah. of the shepherd and the widow to go find that thing. Yeah. It's completely, yeah. it's like what Tolian says. It truly is. Well, Tolian took it from Paul's all. It is a one-way love. Yep. It's a one-way love. Yeah. Which is what I love about the, the parables is they're both telling us a story about what God 
is like. like. It's not a story about us. It's not a story about what we do. It's not a story about you running around and finding lost coins or what you went and did this week, you know what I mean, to celebrate how you, like the shepherd, went and left all these things to go find this one lost friend. No, this story is about what God is like. Shepherds who leave their 99 sheep to go find one lost one find themselves out of the sheep herding business. Unless, of course, you're a shepherd who's actually in control of all 100, no matter what. We'll find all 100 because you're that you're in the business of finding that which is lost. You're mm-hmm. in the business of raising that which is dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that, dude. Or, you know, like even like the coin, like uh, a woman who tears apart her house in search of like a lost dime, tears apart her house in search of a lost dime, but yet has enough money to call up all of her friends and throw a party to celebrate her finding of a lost dime. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like this, the, yeah, this the theory a of radical... like, oh, she needed this coin because she was a widow and... I'm not yes. saying that's I'm not saying that that's not the case. I don't think the I don't think the parable breaks down be, just because the coin is of value to her. Well, have you heard the theory that uh, that makes the coin like part of a wedding necklace she would have received on her wedding day or part of her part of her dowry? Mm, little um, bit. Yeah, it, it, I think there's some strong evidence with that. Like if you look up like first century, like Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. weddings part of the dowry, part of the whole like the, the garment, like her makeup would have been this like necklace filled with coins. It very much could be that this thing is a very sentimental thing that is valuable only to her. Yep. And she tears apart her entire house. And I love, I love, I love that she invites her friends. So there's party in the first parable, party in the second parable. So you yeah. have these themes of lostness and deadness, darkness, and these also these themes of, of party. I mean, when was the last time you thought to yourself that partying was actually really, really important to God? Yeah. Or that it was part of, like God's expression, his his way of living, his way of being is partying. Well, I would say according to my experience within the church, becoming a part of it as an adult after becoming a believer and then eventually working in it and then eventually leading it for a number of years, um, a practice that is taught um, and carried on for generations in the name of church or like party is rarely ever a part of it. Yeah. Which is really odd. When you look at these parables and take a glimpse of what God is really like, you know, because if you go back to what you were saying earlier, dude, Jesus drives his story home and and comes back to another hypothetical scenario and asking the question about, you know, who's not in need of repentance. In other words, there has never been, nor will there ever be 99 persons who need no repentance. It's a hypothetical scenario, again, driving them to the end of their virtuous rope. Just like I'm here to save this one over here who knows it's lost. I'm also here to save you. And guess what? Whether I'm telling the story about the shepherd or I'm telling the story about the woman in search of the coin, both parables are about one thing, right? Joy. Hmm. They're both about joy, dude. You know, a shepherd in search of joy who throws a party Hmm. to share that joy with others. Hmm. A woman in search of a coin that would bring her joy out of her joy. She finds this and then out of that joy, she throws a party to yeah. share that joy with others. The joy this is what of the love God of the shepherd. Like. Yes, dude, the joy of God's love. So yeah. here's how I'm, I'm hearing this. This is how I'm connecting this. I once was chatting with a dude who was like, I think I know God loves me, but I don't think he likes me that much. Mm. So he was yeah. like, okay, I grew up in the church. I know the Bible is like the word of God. So I can't go back and say, God doesn't love me. Like I, I have to believe in that because of his past. Like, okay, like I, I have to believe that. 
but he's really looking at himself. He's looking at a story. He goes, I don't think, I don't think he likes me that much. Mm. And I think that we really, those of us who really know who we are, right? Like the parts of ourselves that we rarely share with others. Like when people ask us like, Hey, how are you doing? Like the pieces of ourselves that will never make its way into that answer. For those of us who are keenly aware of our brokenness, our radical self-love and all the ways that that plays out in us, not loving those around us. I think there's this tendency for us to see our own frailty, folly, and effing up as something God just stomachs. He puts up with, he tolerates it. Like he's gracious, but it doesn't come without a deep sigh and a disappointing shake of the head. And I think what I love about what you're bringing up and what's coming out of these grace parables and the parables of Luke 15 in particular, it shows that God is drawn to our weakness. He's drawn Mm. to our losses. He's drawn to our deadness. He he, He loves us because he is love and because we're his, but he is compassionately drawn to our lostness. Like it's like in God's love, there is a compassion and a sympathy that comes without disappointment. And just because you're tired of your failure doesn't mean God is. He doesn't droop his shoulders and get to things like loving, forgiving, and saving like it's some forced overtime, right? Or because he's contractually obligated. God is love and lovers love to love. And our brokenness doesn't deter his love. You actually see that it's probably precisely because this sheep is lost and because this coin is lost that that he's drawn to it all the more. Yeah, dude. Like, and that's, that's such a, a, a good and needed and beautiful truth for all time. And especially I would say like right now, man, in this kind of hyper-religious world that we live in where everyone's drowning under the, the, the failure to become that imaginary person that, that they're being told they need to be, you know, to just hear that man, to know that, to believe like, you know, what you were just saying, like, even if you look at what we're looking at in these passages and back up, you've got tax collectors and sinners who are, you know, outcasts and right. have felt this their whole lives. I'm wondering, am I worthy? Am I love? You've got disciples who were all outcasts in a lot of ways, right? Who have been grabbing on to Jesus and following him, but they're still not getting it. They're still they're like, they're literally arguing over who's going to be first in the kingdom. You've got Pharisees and scribes, the religious do-gooders who are pissed about Jesus welcoming these people because it's a meal, by the way. And for those of you that don't know, um, a meal is a sign of acceptance. Yeah. So when Jesus shares a meal with tax collectors and sinners, he's saying you belong. Yeah. The meal is the message mm-hmm. and they're pissed about this dude. And it's out of this whole backdrop that Jesus tells these stories about this God and what he's like in this one way love, as you said, of him pursuing us with reckless abandonment for one reason. It brings him joy. It's out of his joy. When he finds a lost sheep, Jesus tells a story. He picks it up. He puts it on his shoulders and he comes home with it. Hmm. And he calls his friends to come party with me. I found my lost sheep. And he literally says in his joy, he does this Yeah. in his joy, right? He seeks out this lost coin that did nothing but lay around. As you said, in the couch, (laughs) he did nothing but hide in the cushion of its death. Hmm. And he seeks it. He finds it. He holds it up. Hmm. He rejoices in his joy. He throws a party, man. Yeah. He He loves. He loves. He made us. We're his. He cares for us. And just because you get sick of loving, right? You get sick of yourself or you get sick of like asking for help on the same things or praying prayers about the same things or and you imagine God in your own disdain for yourself, right? You start to fashion and liken him in, in your own image of how you're viewing yourself. It's not the case. Like grab hold of these parables, but he made us. We're his. We're all his children. 
And, and Paul in Romans, uh, I think it's chapter eight. He says, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing, mm. nothing is going to separate a sheep from a shepherd from his sheep. Nothing is going to separate a woman from her cherished coins. They will do everything needed and they will not stop until the job is done until the yep. job is finished. And those are precisely the words that Jesus said on the cross His last words. It is finished. He has come. The work is done. The sheep are rescued. The coins are found. You are loved. It is finished. You are forgiven. You are safe. You are home free. Yeah. And really all you need to do is awaken to it, yeah, which is that's faith, what just take him at his word. And that's what that <laughs> means by repentance. Right. <laughs> this is exactly what this is saying. So it's like you asked me pre-show. It's like, how are we reconciling this idea that this sheep and this coin are rescued solely based on the performance and actions of the shepherd and the and the widow? Yep. But then there's this like l- little the bit that Jesus has in here about like repentance. Like, yeah, like the, the sheep is repenting and the coin is repenting. No, it's not, man. Because like, you look at it and he says, you know, just so just so you know this, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner, right? Who repents. Now, if you've grown up in a church setting, man, or if you've been around this, it's very it's very likely that you could have been abused, bro, with that word. Oh, like, repent yeah. is constantly being pushed as this uh get your act together and prove that you're worthy to to belong, or it's pushed as keep getting your act together and keep proving that you actually believe so you can belong. Mm-hmm. That's how it's often right framed. But mm-hmm. the word literally just means change your mind. So when Jesus says repent, he means change your mind. That's what the word literally means. Stop thinking and believing these lies that you've been handed in the name of God and start believing what's actually true about me. Yeah. I love that, dude. So when Jesus, I think, brings that up at the end you know, of both of those parables, it's like this declaration of, of what God does when people awaken to what he's like. Hmm. Here's a declaration of what God does when you awaken to what he's like. He finds joy. That's what it says. What? Yeah. Yeah. God finds joy when you awaken to what he's really like. Mm-hmm. Repent. That's literally, that's, it's a declaration is what I'm saying when you see it in the passage. And I think, you know, we say this because it's true to what, you know, Jesus is actually saying in both stories, which I think is a, is sort of a lost art, bro, from my experience in the church world. We oftentimes will ignore what Jesus is saying in a parable because of one word that we feel like means something else. Hmm. Right. Or we'll go to like Corinthians, you know what I mean? We'll pull out a verse and we'll, and we'll interpret what Jesus is saying through that. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) really quick. Jesus is the word. He is God. He is the maker and reconciler of all things. Um, That's what the scriptures declare. I think we should be interpreting the rest of the scriptures through what he says God is like in the parables, not the other way around. So if you take into account what Jesus is saying in both stories here, right? Um, Neither the lost sheep or the lost coin did anything, as you said, but lay around in their lostness. So both stories are about a shepherd and a woman who seek out and find what is lost for their joy, which is why Romans 5, 8 says that, what you know, as a verse that we've quoted on here a lot, you know, that, you know, God doesn't commit his love toward us um, 
that while we were, you know, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Romans 5 says. It doesn't say when we and you went and got our act together and did this false version of what's often being pushed in the name of repentance, that then God loved us, or then God saved us, or then God put us on his shoulders and came back home. You know what I mean? Or then God found us and called up everybody and rejoiced and threw a party over a lost coin. It doesn't say that, dude. No. And I, I love uh, the way Cape it says it is. Um, Romans 5, 8 says God demonstrates his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Not, um, well, um, yeah, he, he does demonstrate, <laughs> he would demonstrate his love toward you while you're yet sinners. Bait, uh, only if after a reasonable amount of time, you become the kind of person that no one needs to die for in the first place. That's <laughs> the best, man. <laughs> I've never heard anybody make it that clear or that simple. Yeah, Just as long as you're progressing. Verse. Yeah. Then the my death for you still. While stands. you were the lost sheep and the lost coin, Jesus died and brought you into the fold. As long as you eventually demonstrate that you never needed to, you know, that you, you know, that you never. Just as long as you're becoming the kind of person no one would ever have <laughs> to die for, ever. No, dude, and I think yeah. it's, I th- it's so good. I think it's also worth noting that the talk of rescue precedes talk of repentance. Mm, and point. i don't know if that's necessarily like you know purposeful or like linear for him and, and why he's saying that but that is that is the story of it's why it's why the gospel is good news not potentially good news mm. it's why it's like a declaration not a proposition because he comes and he rescues he yeah. does that alone by himself and he got yeah. the job done in his life death and resurrection he got yeah. the job done Apart from anybody's opinion, whether, yeah, I believe or I don't believe if no one was alive or if no one had an opinion on it, it doesn't change the fact that the job got done. You were rescued. Yeah. Right. And so repentance is something that follows rescue. It's not dangled out as something that um, uh, unless you do this, then then this thing won't be true. Which to me, dude, just on a little side note. As we're talking about this, I find myself thinking through like the story framework. It's often used to make movies and books. The story framework is even used to like help sell things on websites. Um, you know, a character, you know what I mean, has a problem, you know what I mean, who meets a guide, you know, who offers them a plan, you know, to overcome this thing that they can in their life so they can avoid failure and instead find success. That's the seven point story arc in every good movie that's ever like talked about or shared. Okay book, whatever you want to, whatever track you want to find. Mm-hmm. And I think we love that. And we love movies and we love stories, dude. And we, and we, we love using even that framework and trying to present and sell things that we have to offer. But what's crazy, man, is I'm finding myself looking at that and going, but that doesn't mean that that's good hmm. because the one thing every person does myself included is we love to write ourselves in every story as the hero. We yeah. want to be the hero. Mm-hmm. which is why if somebody comes along with their social cause and makes you the hero of the story, you'll jump in, you'll volunteer, you'll give, right? And you can, or any other product out there you, you, you can name. We want to be the hero. And I think what Jesus is showing us like in these parables is um, you're not the hero. And just because you want that and you like that, and, and that will actually lead to fame and fortune if you follow that, doesn't mean it's good. Hmm. It makes me think like maybe that's why the, the church is constantly, not in every case, but you know, in a lot of cases, the church as in people are constantly selling the sugar of spiritual performance hmm. and success yep. instead of the saltiness, which is what Jesus refers to as his passion and death. Mm-hmm. These stories, dude, that we're reading, man, um, they're pointing to 
to a dead sheep and a dead asset, man, and what God has done. These are stories about God's commitment to move before we do. It's, it's a story about him who is the actual hero of our story. Uh, it, it's a story about God taking the only thing that we can bring, our death, our sin, okay, our lostness, as Jesus points to in these parables. It, these are stories about him taking that death, that sin, that lostness, and using it. The only thing we can bring, he uses it to bring us to life. That's crazy, man. The only thing you can bring to the table, I can bring to the table, sin and death. He takes that and uses it to bring us into life in himself. If we're only willing to be like children, he said, if we're only willing to just admit, dude, I'm frail, I'm foolish, I'm flawed. My only hope, it's like, dude, it's with it's that trust. Yep. That's repentance. And in that, he finds joy. But dude, what I love about these stories is it's for the joy that he gets in that is why he does what he does. It's yeah, why man. he moves before we do. Mm -hmm. It Man, it just blows my mind when I, when I think about it. You almost cry. Yeah. No, dude. I, um, our, our friend Tullian posted a while back. It was a quote from uh, Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche and uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, whatever. Um, yeah, the philosopher. I, I barely graduated yeah, high school and I'm from the Midwest. So whatever. Um Bro, you got to stop selling yourself short on that. <laughs> stop selling myself short. You're nothing but a lost sheep. Stop selling yourself short. <laughs> you can be a smart lost sheep. <laughs> but um, he, he posted a quote. It's like, why, why Nietzsche was asked, like, why he rejected Christianity. Mm, he said, I never, saw, I never saw anyone in my father's church enjoy themselves. <laughs> dude, how can, how can you, how did it get lost on us that at the very heart of God is a party? Yeah, a joyous party. A joyous party. Yep. How'd, how'd that get lost on us over the years, bro? I think it got lost on us because for some reason, uh, which we could point to that, you know, the, the, the sin of self-reliance and the whole nature of independence is just constantly do that at war with us. Evil preys on insecurity, man. And it uses the only weapon it has, lies. And it pushes us constantly away from these parables, these stories where Jesus reveals what God is truly like. And I think we just buy it, man. Hook, line, and sinker and hopes to be the hero of our own story or somebody else's story. Mm. Not even realizing, man, that the whole damn journey is nothing but death, dude, from A to Z. <laughs> meanwhile, there's a meanwhile, there's the most spectacular party going on. If you'll just drop the imaginary scorecard mm. and say thank you to the host who brought you there all by his own doing he saves us single-handedly well we have there's more to this chapter and we're going to get into it next time but this is a good kickoff to the parables focused yeah. on grace on the one-way love of god on his single-handed uh rescuing of us yeah. so amen man, good stuff man until next time cheers cheers, cheers.